sick? Right. Are you guys both sick? We're both, we're both yeah. having a, a vaccine reactions. Well, here we go. Oh. Uh, welcome to Live from America podcast. This is Hatem alongside Noam Dorman, the, the owner of the legendary soon-to-be op- open comedy seller, yeah, uh, yeah. April 2nd. Uh, finally, the world is waiting. Uh, very special guest, comedian Boris Hyken is back. Yeah, and, I'm too frequent to be special now, but it's nice. But I, it's all, you're always special to me. Uh-huh. And our guest of honor is Dr. Dana Grayson. Uh, Dr. Grayson is an infection disease expert, and she's a, a researcher uh, and a politician. And since the beginning of the pandemic, she became an important voice in the global media discussing all this. And I get a lot of my information from her Twitter. So you should follow her on Twitter as well, because it's really awesome. Uh, but I feel like recently- <laughs> about the Arab-Israeli conflict, does she? Huh? She is not tweeting about the Arab-Israeli conflict, is she? Because that's- <laughs> Where you're getting your misinformation, I don't know. Uh, don't even get me started on that. Um, first, I wanted to ask Dr. Grayson about like all the updates and stuff, but I have an update on my own. Is like I talk, I took the first vaccine of uh, Moderna on Friday, and I was discussing with Noam. Is like how the people that work there are very, very nice, and they. I went at like 11 p.m. like in the middle of nowhere, and these people were not complaining. Those lines, and they were like the nurses. So shout out to everybody in the medical field. They've been awesome. Um, but having said quite that, different, quite different than when you used to handle the line of the comedy cellar, I'd say, but go ahead. <laughs> are you talking about the best time in the comedy cellar? Is that the time you're talking about? How many are you? <laughs> oh, well, the truth comes does, out. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't it. complain when he sees the bank statement, but he complains at the attitude. <laughs> I, I have a question actually right away in regards to what you're saying, please. Uh, Dina, maybe you can answer this, but why do people who have had COVID like Hatem need to get a vaccine? Isn't the whole point that they now have antibodies that should be protecting them? And if they're not, why would a vaccine work? Yeah. So Boris, great question. And nice to meet everybody. And thanks for having me on. So, you know, the, the deal with the natural immunity is it's pretty doggone good, but it doesn't last very long. And we know that with the coronavirus. And there's also these new variants. So what it turns out is these vaccines basically like hyperstimulate your immune system. So think of it like your immune system getting roided up. It's not steroids, nothing like that, but it really, it simulates almost like a deadly infection, except it's not going to kill you. It's just, you know, a little chunk of the virus. So it really ramps up your immune system. So even with the new variants, you, if you have vaccine immunity, you're going to be able to fight off these new variants that are circulating, but natural immunity. We know, for example, the Brazilian strain, um, it completely overcame naturally acquired immunity of people in Brazil. So that's why it's really good for everyone to get vaccinated as soon as possible. You know, Hatsum, I know you had a specific reason why you needed to be, you know, earlier in the line. And, you know, basically anybody and everybody, when you're, when you get the golden ticket, man, yeah. go get vaccinated. Any of the vaccines, they're all fantastic. I would yeah. take any of them. I was, I was very nervous in the beginning because of my transplant condition because there's no study for certain groups. And that's why I wanted to ask you pregnant women, um, mm. people that don't like Noam, which is a lot, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, transplant people. Well, some of those people How do I get have... in that group? But I mean, like transplant people, uh, pregnant. So I was very nervous. And all my doctors said, you have to take it because, you know, the chance of surviving COVID when you're transplant is one in four. I was very lucky the first time. But the, but the vaccine, uh, there's nothing, it's not going to kill you. It would be really funny if I died after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, uh, one of the questions you'd have with the vaccine is how good would your immunity be? Because because if you're on anti-rejection medicines, that can interfere with your body's ability to yeah. react and make antibodies to the vaccine. So that's yeah. something that, you know, so, so I don't know if anybody's studying you. Are you a lab rat right now or is anybody studying I, I've you? I've been for a long time. I'm, I'm waiting to get paid for this at some point. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I have but, a... Really quick, you said you take all three of them, right? And yeah, I know that recently absolutely. the Johnson and Johnson. The, so the Johnson Johnson one is the one that you like you mentioned that has a piece of the virus. I know the others don't. But why is it that they didn't like I, I read a Vox thing about how basically you can't compare the efficacy ratings because it's tested differently in different points of the, you know, the cycle of the virus in general and different places globally. Why didn't they do any sort of testing where you could compare it? Why? Why is it? Why do they not have an interest? Sure. Well, so first, first of all, just to quickly, the the J and J vaccine does not have a piece of the virus any different than what Moderna and Pfizer do. So they each no. have a piece of the the virus's genetic code that makes the spike protein. So Moderna and Pfizer they deliver it in a very similar way. They basically wrap it in a layer of sort of like liposomes. They're like kind of fat basically to allow it to get into your cells. The J and J vaccine uses an adenovirus. Um, that's not going to get you sick, but it just basically it allows that genetic material to get inside of your cells and then turns your cells, all three, into little vaccine factories that are making the spike protein. So they all work in a similar way. Now, the J&J &J vaccine has been incorrectly kind of poo-pooed. Um, it's actually a fantastic vaccine. It's only one dose. And the, remember, the key with the vaccines is that you don't go to the hospital. And you, that's the number one goal of the what's like great if you don't get sick at all, like that's amazing. But truly what a vaccine needs to do is, you know, make sure that if you do get sick, it's like a cold or maybe a mild flu, but you're not going to need oxygen. You're not going to die. And the J&J &J vaccine with just one shot prevented hundred percent of deaths and hospitalizations one starting one month after that one shot, including in South Africa and yeah. in Brazil. Yeah. So that is a, that's a, that's a BFD guys. I mean, and, you know, and, these and are the also, new, these are the new variants. And yeah. so it's not fair to compare to the older vaccines, which are also awesome, but they require two doses, not yeah. one. Right. And by the way, J and J's vaccine is being studied to give two doses. My strong prediction is that it's going to look a lot like Moderna's and Pfizer's after you get a second vaccine. Oh, Dr. I also read the best. Boris, you might have asked a question about the, the J and J. Cause I actually Talk went it. through. Yeah. I actually went through Go a big thing with a friend of mine who was uh, able, he, he had access to both, but one, one, he was going to be able to um, uh, uh, just take in his town, the J and J and the, and the Moderna, he would have to drive like four hours. And I, and I did, you know, my amateur research and I said, I would just driving and get it. And I, and I, and I know you can disagree, but let me just tell you why. So you can tell me where I, you know, where I was wrong. I read this, this blog post here, which, was referred to me by, uh, I don't want to say his name, but by somebody who's, who's credible in this field and um, a, 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 national, a nationally known figure. And it said about the variants um, that the J&J &J vaccine is marginally effective. I'm sorry, the South African variant. The J&J &J vaccine is marginally effective at stopping transmission of the B1.351 variant that is 95% prevalent in South Africa and its efficacy against the severe disease could actually be as low as 50%. Now, is that, is that false information? Cause that's what, that's what, so, um, and then yeah, I, so for, 
And yeah, so I had one other thing to that. And then uh, at CNN, there was an article about the Moderna. And I'm just, gonna, I'm just like giving the money quotes. That does it, it could be a shallow way to approach it. They said, uh, with regard to Moderna, CNN wrote, separately, a team of National Institutes of Health and Moderna published a letter in the same journal outlining findings from an experiment they reported last month. They also reported a reduction in the antibody response to the virus. To, this is with regard to the variant. Response to virus genetically engineered to look at B, look like the B.1.351 variant, but not enough of a reduction to make the vaccine work any less effectively. So what I read that as is that for the South African variant, the, the, the latest information that the Moderna works just as effectively, although maybe is less robust, and that the J&J is... We're not quite 100% sure. So now go ahead. Well, I, I view it very differently. So we, the only vaccine that we have data on in the clinic, and that's the, those are the data that matter. Okay. So when you read the, the stuff from CNN, what they're doing is they're in an, kind of a, a lab experiment. They're taking antibodies from people who've been vaccinated and saying, okay, can you block the ability of this virus to enter cells? Some kind of assay like that. It's pretty, it's nice, but it's not in people. Okay. Number one. So that's a, that's so, you know, that, that you have to take with a grain of salt and they, and they caveat the research and say, look, this, you know, it looks like it still will work, meaning it's, but it's still going to be less potent because the way these vaccines work, okay. Is they, they, you, your body creates lots of different antibodies to that, to that spike protein that bind it at different locations, if that makes sense. So when the spike protein mutates, I'm getting super nerdy here. So when the spike protein mutates in certain spots, that means antibodies just to that spot can't bind, but they can bind to other spots. So that's what they mean by the vaccine is slightly has, you know, doesn't work quite as well. That's what they mean. The uh, J&J vaccine, remember only one dose, and it's asking your body to make an immune response to that exact same spike protein. Okay, so really what we think is very likely these vaccines are going to work very similarly if you give two doses. The J&J &J vaccine only gave one dose. And so they decided we're going to try it with one dose. We think it's going to be good enough to get out there. And, buy, you know, and it is. And what we know is that we know that one month after that single dose of J&J &J vaccine, zero hospitalizations, zero deaths. That means that vaccine did work. Remember, because it's, it, you know, when, when you have an infection, it's like a war, right? It's a war between the virus and your body. And we know that, for example, people that get a really high dose of the virus, they do less well. Like the doctors that died were anesthesiologists, ophthalmologists. They had a much higher death rate, actually, because they're close to people's faces. This happened in um, China, right? So same with the antibodies. The more antibodies you have, meaning similar to that spike protein, the original one from the original strain, that means you have more antibodies. That means you have a better chance of blocking that virus before it ever gets in your cells. So that's why, I mean, I think that the J&J &J vaccine is an awesome vaccine. I personally would take any of them. I, I, you know, depending on my schedule, would I drive? I don't know. I mean, I'd rather have two doses, I would say. However, I'm young and healthy. And I, the reality is, is what they're already testing new flavors of the strain of these strains, if you will, Moderna is at the NIH that started, I think about two weeks ago. Does one come in so, chocolate or strawberry? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, what about I'm the other vaccines, kind of girl, the, I mean, the, the Russian vaccine, Chinese vaccine? I just wonder if they do not trust the Russian vaccine. No, I as know. An I don't try, yes. yeah. As an immigrant from the Soviet Union, do yet. not trust Nikanda. the Russian vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I mean, I, the Russian vaccine, they did publish some data. It looked 
like, you know, reason effective above 90% effective, but again, take it with a grain of salt. Um, the Chinese vaccine looks to be in that range as well. Not, not as good as Moderna and Pfizer, but again, uh, it's really hard to compare. What, what about the Israeli uh, vaccine? You inject it and all of a sudden it takes over all your body. It says it's ours. Israel's doing a very good job of that. They are. They are. They're doing and a I wonder job. why, why, why they managed to have like, they, from the beginning, they were like perfect. And why couldn't we do this? Well, they, I mean, I'm not a BB Netanyahu fan. I'll yeah. be very clear, but the dude saw the virus and he shut the borders and he took care of it. They shut things down completely. We had a COVID idiot who held death rallies, right? And told, you know, told everyone it was a hoax. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really was extremely, extremely ill from the virus himself, which I said at the time, I mean, you know, it was really obvious. The guy was extremely, extremely ill. So, you know, that's why we've had lack of leadership. I mean, I live in Ron Death Sanis's state of Florida. But, but, but and, how do you explain yeah. Europe? Europe is even worse than we are in, in their rollout. So how do you come from Yeah, that? so Europe's more, yeah, Europe's more complicated. So Europe, what happened is they decided to work collectively, which is a good thing, but they were working through the European Commission, which is sort of still this relatively new body. How much authority do they have? have so they were actually trying to purchase these vaccines through that, but each member nation had to sign off. I mean, so you're basically doing like lots more negotiation to get a deal done here in the United States. It's just us. And right. We got it. We got things done. And we also we have a system already set up in place, governmental agencies like BARDA and others, um, that this is what they do. NIH, they interact with vaccine makers, with drug makers and do research for years so that when we have these pandemic threats, you turn the switch. I mean, that's the kind of work I did for I've done for about a decade. So, you know, they turn the switch and basically yeah. that's what happened. In, in some ways, it seems to me you just can't compare a tiny country like Israel to, to the United States of, of America. You know, that's interesting, though, that you say that a big part of the problem in Europe was the fact that they're rather. I, I know you're not saying rather than working as individual nations, but the fact that there's a larger governing body trying to unite it. And it seems like you can kind of make the case that you have something like Israel, which is, you know, the size of New Jersey, which is able to manage a country much more locally. And then you have Europe that does a poor job when they're trying to manage for the entire continent. And you have the United States that sort of does a poor job when I mean, obviously, leadership is at fault as well. But as far as I got I got one thing that's a little weird. Yeah, not weird. But to take into account is Great Britain. Okay, Great Britain is 60 million people. That's a pretty big country. Right. And they are kicking it. They're kicking butt. They're doing on well, vaccinations. They're doing incredibly well. They're, they're so they've done a, for Brexit right now. After leaving they, the they, European they, Union, right. Well, look, they also have, like us, longstanding relationships with vaccine makers and drug makers. So right. more so than many of the European countries. So, and they, they, they really had all hands on deck. Let's, we got to get these, we got to procure these vaccines. Yeah. We got to help vaccine makers, they grease the skid. So same here, what they do is like the FDA, they reach out to you. I mean, I I experienced this during the Ebola um, crisis. So the FDA reached out to us, we were developing a medicine kind of similar to remdesivir and they reached out to us and said, hey, we want to work with you. We need your help. And we're like, great, we want to help. And it was truly a collaborative process, which was fantastic, right? How can we design? 
It was really no, good. No, and, I have my and own. That, and, that's, and that's what Great Britain did and we did with the vaccine makers. It was, look, we got to design the, it, this is, you know, this is like a war. So, right, yeah. we got to design the best clinical trials we can. That's where Dr. Fauci, he's, he's just a total hero. He's involved in this stuff. And it's not that they tell the companies, here's what you go do, but it's that the companies say, here's what we think we can do. What do you guys think? They give them honest feedback. They come to an agreement and they say, if we do this and we show it works, you guys are going to, it's going to go, right? And they say, yeah. yes, but the thing has to work. It's there, just, there's a collaborative process in getting it done, which is was, like everyone wins, right? Yeah. There was an article today, very, very interesting. Is like in the fail of Germany with all its technology and, you know, to even manage the vaccine or make a vaccine, you know, while the U.S., you know, uh, in that department and England, like you said, were much better. It was a big surprise that Germany is not because Germany have a lot of scientists and technology in that field as well. But they don't Germany's have they don't have companies. Too. They don't have a lot of biotech and pharma companies there. You know, mm-hmm. Switzerland does, right? Switzerland does. The UK does. Um, France has some. Um, uh, we have the vast majority of biomedical research. I mean, we dominate the world. This is where we are world class. And you know, for me as a nerdy MD PhD, it was really wonderful to really see in many ways, like, look, science, science, we're saving humanity. I mean, that's what we do. I have the New York Times, I have the New York Times in front of me, just to give the listeners some feel for this. Uh, Germany has, has vaccinated eight, eight people per hundred. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, United States is at 25.6. UK is at 33. So, you know, in the ballpark, right? And Israel is at 96. Yep. So, uh, it, it, you know, maybe UK is kicking butt, but they're, they're really just a little bit better than us, right? And Israel is more than twice, th- almost three times, th- at three times the level. It's, it's re- almost at four times the level. I, yeah, I thought, well, I think completed vaccination in our country, it's 15, about 15%. Is are the data? I think it's yeah, twenty five percent have gotten maybe one shot, but it's about fifteen percent who completed vaccination. Again, this is where the J and J vaccine is nice because one shot, you're done. But yeah. I, I had I had an additional. I mean, we, we, we're not talking about politics here so much, but I did have a, a thing that always worried me about the the Trump thing. Now, obviously, I'm not here. Only to one. No, uh, <laughs> this is this is this is like a a a contrarian view. Although I'm not here to defend his lack of any. I mean doesn't seem like he did anything that I can see about um, preparing for well, the he let, he let nearly half a million people die on his watch. So I guess that's something, right? But um, <laughs> but uh, they, they were fact-checking him right up to the very end, saying that he was lying about the vaccine. And, it, it, you know, if you, if you read the Times and CNN, like I think the second debate, he said, we're probably going to have a vaccine by the election day or, or close to it. And they, they fact-checked him as lying, which which was a you know journalistic malpractice and i just wonder it was it, because because there was wait, no wait, way it was going to come by the, the election day i mean I just, no way no but they, but they in their in their fact checking no he said by the, by the beginning of the year actually and and in their fact checking they said no it's 12 months away blah, blah you should i mean some of the stuff they they wrote is just unbelievable we've been through it on this show but i'm just wondering if like you're a governor of a major state you might not um put it as a priority you need to when the New York Times is telling you, no, this really isn't imminent. You know, we're, we're at least months away from the vaccine. And somehow, somehow that has to have some effect. Why, why were they, no, I, why no, did I they not it, know the vaccine was imminent? What was it being? Because, because the federal government had no plan. Okay. So what the federal government, they never set up any infrastructure. 
at all. The why, Trump administration. Why did the time? So, so, why did the time but, so, not on, know? But but but, but what? But That's doesn't matter question. what the time. Hang on. But what doesn't matter what the time says? What matters is what the federal government is communicating directly to the states. So they had they had no idea the federal government, the outgoing Trump administration had no idea how many vaccine doses were available. They had no idea where they were, who had what. They were like, eh, you guys, pharma companies, you figure it out. And then they were just shipping stuff to states. The states. You know, public health systems are overwhelmed. They're, they don't even, they've never gotten extra money, right? They're trying to do all this testing. There was no rollout plan at all. I, I, I so one I'm, of the I'm, things I'm, that, right, so, but that's my, that's my point. That's why, you know, yeah, but I'm not arguing. Trump I, actually I'm did say, and you remember that Trump was upset that the vaccine, he, he, he falsely claimed that the pharma companies had the data to release it by election day and, and didn't to hose them over. And that's not what happened. That's right. I'm I'm going to stipulate everything. <laughs> I'm going to stipulate that everything you say is true because that's not really what I, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to defend him on that. What I'm saying is that why wasn't it common knowledge when the vaccine was like two weeks away? Why were the major newspapers still reporting that this is like it wasn't? Were, it yeah, wasn't no, abso common absolutely. Knowledge. They were absolutely. They were. I, I can I can look it up for you now. Well, and show you. What, what, there was the, the here's the thing is you don't know when you have an independent data monitoring committee that then suddenly when there's enough events, meaning enough people who got infected in the trial, they go, they're allowed to look under the hood and unblind the data and say, okay, this thing works. So the only time we were gonna have a sense, and in fact, Pfizer didn't even know, they found out on a Sunday. And then on Monday, they said, we have the data and here it is. That's when the clock started to say, now we know that we're gonna have emergency use authorization in a couple of weeks. That's why the Trump administration bungled. Like what you do is you go ahead and set up the infrastructure to be ready to go. You don't wait until the FDA says it's approved or authorized. In fact, even after it was authorized, they still didn't do anything to help. I mean, this was a failure of federal leadership. Tell me whatever you want. But the fact is that what happened was not what the New York Times told us was going to happen. And I don't get that. And I feel like if if we all knew that the well, it was very likely we're going to have a vaccine in the next four weeks. At that point, the journalists would be digging into, well, where's our infrastructure? How, how come we're not prepared for this? We're, you know, that's the way the system works. But when everybody just said, well, no, we don't have a vaccine here. As a matter of fact, he's lying about it. Um, that has to have some consequences. I, common sense tells me it has to have some consequences. So, I, 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 no, I think, the, I mean, I, I just, I just, I don't agree with that one because no. I think that's also what they're hearing from probably from Pfizer as well, because yeah. I think that's what they believed. But, so, but remember that coronavirus spiked out of control. So during the clinical trials, we had this weird wave in the summer that they weren't anticipating. People thought case numbers would be low. And the reason I say that is that actually speeds up your vaccine trials because they're all based upon how many infections you get. Once you reach a certain number, you're allowed to then see, did unblind the data, look and see, did the vaccine protect or not? And that's what actually happened. And that's why they got the data sooner. So, so okay, let me ask so, you this. Now that, that you know, the vaccine is, is uh, you know, on the way for most of the people, you know, and stuff like, where do you see the yay. near future? Are we going to go back to like, some kind of normalcy, you know, at all? Like, like, what do, what do you I think? I think we are. Yeah, I do, Hatem. I, I think that what we're going to see is that not only, um, I think by sort of fall this year, we're going to have a, a fair, not, I would say a, a majority of the people who want a, to be vaccinated, other than small kids, that's a different story, but the majority of people who want to be vaccinated will have been able to be vaccinated by early fall. I think I've, that's, and I think we may even reach that sooner 
right? It's just, we'll have, I mean, it may, in, in different regions of the country, I think it's going to depend on different pockets of the country. And once we get there, then we're also in parallel going to have follow-up vaccines that will give us immunity to the new flavors as well. So I think that'll be coming just like flu shots pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. May not be every year. It might be every other year. It'll just be based upon when there's new mutants, which is good that we, I think the, some of the vaccines have the way technology to adapt extremely quickly, like the mm-hmm. Moderna Pfizer uh, vaccines. So I think that's where we're heading. So I do think like come the holidays, uh, you know, wh- whatever holidays you like to celebrate in the fall, and winter next year, I do think that we're going to be looking at being able to get together with our loved ones and having something pretty, pretty normal and actually hugging and kissing our loved ones, um, which would be a welcome relief. Quick question, just to backtrack on development. Why didn't we do challenge trials? Yeah. So the reason why we didn't do challenge trials is you have to first characterize the the, there are several requirements ethically, right? You have to characterize the amount of virus that you inject. You have to know it's going to cause an infection, but not kill people. And okay? do you, do you have to virus. inject it? You can't just have like Hatem cough on a bunch of people. You, you, you can't because then you don't know how it, it, it's a, you don't, you don't know, it's is he a scientific. super spreader? Yeah. It's not scientific. You don't, is he a super spreader? Does he spread enough droplet, you know, you know, viral particles to infect people and not infect them enough to be ill, that kind of thing. Correct. And you also have to know that if you do that experiment, you're not going to kill people. So you need effective medications. So um, at the time, the fastest way to do this, because we had rampant, unfortunately, spread of the virus is to do the field studies right out in the wild, which, you know, I think another, this is another reason I think these, these vaccines are really holding up because these were real world studies done in, you know, around the world. And this, you know, these vaccines work really well. And the other thing that, you know, people, no one's really talking about, these things are safe and well-tolerated. I mean, I know you guys are feeling a little not great today, but man, I take that over having COVID and it's going to last like a day. You're going to be good to go. And, you know, we, other than these very, very, very rare, severe allergic reactions to the Pfizer vaccine, I mean, we're talking a handful and millions of people there's been really nothing here other than the, the flu-like symptoms, mild flu-like symptoms. So, I mean, I think this is just, I, I, pe- people need to grasp yeah. what a major medical miracle these vaccines are less than a year of having the sequence of the, va- of the virus. We had vaccines not only developed, but in people's arms, millions of doses available. That's incredible. Like, yeah. I, I honestly, I mean, I, I'm a nerd and stuff, but you know, the movies couldn't have written this better. This is amazing. Like, this is a real win for us. Yeah. Feels well, like everyone not- should be saying on TV what you're saying right now. And I feel <laughs> like I see a lot more people focusing on, like, still needing to wear masks, still needing to. Di- is that good? Like, it feels like that's less, in- especially the people that are, like, already a little bit, like, you know, crazy or a little bit hesitant to take this kind of stuff. Is that really is, is that the right way to manage society to not give people yeah. light at the end of the tunnel? I think you need both, right? I think, you know, what we want to say is, look, we're so close. We really are. We're like, a, we're really, really, really close. Certainly in the North, you know, we saw last summer, the infection levels went down pretty low in the summer. I'm hopeful that will be the same there because that's when you guys have your windows open. Yeah. Now us in Florida, uh, <laughs> it's the opposite right now. It's gorgeous. So windows open, everything's nice. Summer it's hot and humid. So yeah. we sort of have our indoor winter, if you will, in summer. Just so, uh, you know, I think we need a mixture of both. I mean, we don't want people to just say, oh, great, everything's back to normal. And we're starting to see, for example, in, in some of these red states, Texas, Mississippi, cases starting to spike back upward, new variants, 
reopening maybe a little too aggressively, you know, I think having it based on, again, I'm a nerd, but don't, I think we should be basing it on case density in areas and uh, new case density. I mean, that's Is what it should be based on, do a ton of testing. Just a new point, like in this show, you know, we, we discuss especially in normal, like how is this, was a very American accomplished, just, just like going to the moon. Like this was, and, yeah. and we don't get talked about it as much. People, politicians, people don't give credit to this country about, you know, about how awesome of a job they've done, you know, develops even pretty much the world, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Uh, and I mean, you know, there's been, you know, the, the, your, the, the Brits have done a great job. There's a small biotech that's uh, collaborated with um, uh, with Pfizer. I believe they are located in Germany, the yeah. bio uh, tech. Uh, that's they, that they actually invented the vaccine that Pfizer's vaccine that then partnered with them. So I agree. And I think people should win some Nobel prizes over these new vaccine strategies. Cause the other cool thing about these new vaccines, and this is nerdy. Okay. But they're like, they're, they're like 3d printing. Okay, so they don't involve biological systems to manufacture them. That makes it a lot faster to update them and just print out a new version, if you will, of the the, um, RNA that you want to put into these liposomes. So they're actually really amazing. I mean, in that sense. So it allows us not only it's like a cool platform that moving forward, we can make new vaccines. And that's exactly what they're doing. So. Again, yay, go science, yeah. <laughs> go nerds. Would, nerds would it win. be right? Would it be right or wrong for Fauci to get on TV and address specifically, let's say, like kids in their 20s in college in Texas, wherever, like speaking from personal experience, if I was in my 20s this whole year, I would be going out and trying to get laid like I would not. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's a good thing. But like all those kids that have been partying the whole time, like. I'm not going to pretend I'd be much better at 20 years old. Would it be right or wrong for Fauci to go on TV and say, listen, if you get the vaccine, feel free to go out and try to get laid. Like, go do your thing. <laughs> go do your thing. Go try to party it up. You're free. Rock on. Go you know, I don't laid. think go I don't think Fauci's going to do that. And I mean, I because Fauci, what he's going to wait for is are the data. And I, those are data that are going to be collected from these big field trials. It just takes a time time to get it because you have to wait for secondary infections. And there weren't a lot of primary infections because the vaccine works so well. That's the problem. So then you have to see, does it protect? You have to wait. And and it just takes time to collect all that information to say it's hard to prove trials. a no. It's hard to prove a no. You can't do a challenge. I mean, challenge trials are so hard because you have to come up with a cocktail of the virus, again, that you right. know is going to infect people, make them sick, but not kill them. That it's probably not going to happen. But I think I do think that other infectious diseases experts can come out there and say that. I mean, I, I think that what I've said to people is you can start expanding your bubble. Right. I think really what we want is like a coronavirus passport. Hey, I got the shot. You got the shot. We're good. Right. right? That's really what we need. And that's where we're heading. I mean, I think for travel, we will be heading that way, like a yellow fever vaccination, which I have had. For certain countries, I think we're looking at that for international travel for sure. I I would be shocked if it didn't happen. Just 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 to say, so I'm not crazy. But when did the vaccine come out? Do you know? Do you remember offhand? Um, the the first vaccine was um, Moderna's vaccine, right? And that wasn't or Pfizer's vaccine. So that was late December. Okay, so it was so late December, I think. And I think yeah. they started vaccinating the last week of the year. It was so somewhere this- around the 24th, I want to say. Okay, so this, was, this is what I remembered. I'm, I'm happy that I, so was it, this was the New York Times fact check from the, 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 I think the second presidential debate, which I guess was around the beginning of October. He says, now we're weeks away from a vaccine, Trump. And other people have called it a lie. But 10 weeks? I mean, 10 weeks, yeah. that's months. I no, mean, but listen, but listen can... to what they said. Hold on, listen to what they wrote. 
Top officials have said that a vaccine may not be widely available till next summer. The top scientists, administration, vaccine development research said Americans will most likely be widely vaccinated until middle of 2021. The timeline echoed by blah, blah, blah. And so, so what I'm saying is that- So that, that is true. That yeah, is this, absolutely so, true. So what I'm saying that, that this kind of uh, tremendous mistake, when you think it, it says two things to me, did they actually call somebody up at Pfizer and say, hey, he said we could yeah. have it pretty soon. And Pfizer said, no way, we're nowhere clear close to it. Or well, they- but actually, I mean, what I'm saying is what the New York Times said is true. Because, you know, unless you have are in a specific age group or have a predisposing specific medical condition, you cannot, the, the vaccine is not widely available. And to say in early October, we're going to have a vaccine in a few weeks. It is widely Is available. irresponsible. Hang on. No, it's not. I can't get it. hundred million people have gotten it. No, they haven't. I mean, you've got, you've got 15% of the, of the country, 15% of the country have gotten both doses. Okay. And I can't get it. Right? I don't right? see patients because I don't see patients anymore. I don't have a, a medical condition. I'm not old enough, not available. And I'm not going to jump the line. You like, have so many Twitter reality. followers, though. It so, feels like you should have 100,000 Twitter oh, and, uh, Now, I think the New York Times was overly harsh in that sense, but it was no, not weeks not. away. We didn't even get it approved. Hang on. Weeks away and what I do, and I do, I do these kinds of things, is not 10 weeks. That's months away. Weeks away is two to three four, maybe five, you might get away with six, not 10, not 12. No, no, that, I, and I, I understand it so, wasn't weeks so away. So when you said that, but, right, it wasn't. But it's the explanation. And, and again, what I, what, what I mentioned to you, but also understand what I mentioned to you is that at the time, the vaccine drug makers really thought that it was going to take longer because, right, because, but it didn't because we had this big wave of infections known. That's why. So, so they even thought it was going to take a longer. You're telling me in the beginning of October, Pfizer thought it was going to be till the summer? I, I just, all right. If no, you no, me. no, 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 not some are widely available because again, they knew that they weren't going to have enough doses. So, I mean, that, so widely available means like, and that's what basically what Biden says, Hey, we're going to have enough by May, right. To vaccinate yeah. everybody. That's, as you know, we're, 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 we're giving out what percentage of our actual doses that we have on hand now. I mean, we're, we're not even giving out the doses we have. It's going pretty well. I mean, you know, I, this, this is pretty, you know, understand this is really complex supply chain management. I mean, that's like, you don't normally have a vaccine in somebody's arm in a day after it's manufactured. Like that, that's where we needed the federal government to step in and they are. So, you know, and it, it's, you want as little as possible, but manufacturing is so ramping up. This, everything's ramping up together. So, I mean, I think this is there's, there's something about what you're telling me, which, which is, is I'm having trouble. I, I mean, I'm taking in good faith. I understand what you're saying, but I'm having trouble just, integrating it because I'm a pretty avid watcher of the news and mm-hmm. right up until the election, I thought there was no chance that we were going to have a, a vaccine. Then all of a sudden in December, we had a vaccine and now you're telling me, well, now that's actually what they were telling you all along. The papers were exactly right. Well, you should have called me up. I'm like, you I'm like called no me. way you, the papers you, told you, me that. You can't. Actually, the news I, is you bad know, for I went on you, TV. <laughs> actually, no, I don't know what news you were watching. So you should have called me up because I was telling people in the fall that I thought that the best best case scenario is we'd have like something authorized by FDA in December timeframe. Uh-huh. Maybe we might get lucky late late November. I and I went we on. Also I, have the first I did this week publicly in January, right? And we and also- but then as far as availability of vaccine, you know, then uh-huh. you have to actually get it into people's arms. Yeah. Right. So there was so no plan by the Trump administration to do that. It was yeah. like terrible. Let me ask you this. If the rest of the world don't get the vaccine, if the whole world doesn't get vaccinated, is that going to cause any trouble? Is going to be any different variant of, of like more yeah. dangerous? Super bad. Super bad, Hatsum. And one of the things that 
we weren't doing before under the prior administration and we are now is, is working with these international vaccine coalitions to, you know, to make sure that developing nations and, and nations that don't have our kinds of resources get, get vaccines. So, and you're, to your point, exactly that, this virus does not give a crap about borders. It does not care, right? And so we know that the more that it spreads, the more shots on goal it gets, more opportunities to mutate and make a new variant that could overcome our vaccine. So this has to be a global strategy. Uh, the Europeans really were the forerunners of this. They've done a great job on this. Remember, Trump was trying to pull us out of the WHO. They also have a vaccine initiative. We're back in the WHO, thank goodness. And what we'll see now is that once May comes around, Americans, we have enough vaccines for our population, you're gonna see a lot of vaccines start going towards the developing world, which is awesome. I mean, everybody in the world needs to get vaccinated and we need a strategy to continue to vaccinate like influenza as much as possible around the world. Okay. And for, for do you think we like by May or June or what, whenever, do you think we can go back to like full movie theaters or comedy clubs or? I think, uh, man, I can't wait. Oh, I, you know, our, da- our daughter is like, um sky grayson do you guys know sky grayson yeah, yeah. she's jonesing for comedy clubs to open because yeah. she's a comedian herself so um you know I, as i said i really think really widespread around the country probably fall right I, it's going to be different in different regions that are better at rolling out vaccines i mean west virginia has done an excellent job of vaccination but if everyone is you know? vaccinated they can sit in a, like a, in a Broadway show, back to back, right? There's no problem in that. There should not be a problem with that. I think you're probably going to see health experts for the foreseeable future recommend that if you're indoors for prolonged periods of time to wear a mask, just even if you've been vaccinated, I think that'll be ongoing um, through later this year. I can't give you an exact timeline because it just all depends on new variants, herd immunity. I wish I could say, yeah, we're going to be totally back to normal by October 1st. I mean, that's what I would hope so, but yeah. we have to just see how things go. If there's like a new variant that jumps in there. That sort of changes, changes things. Yeah. And that herd immunity never worked with anybody, did it? Well, it, it does work. Um, herd immunity will work. And in fact, it'll slow the virus down and it'll slow, very likely slow the ability of these new variants to develop. Because again, the, the way the virus um you know, mutates is by infecting human beings. And the more shots on goal you give it to mutate and evade our vaccines, you know, the better for the virus. So that's where lots of people get vaccinated. It also protects those people who, for whatever reason, can't get the vaccine or can't get good immunity to the vaccine because they're immunosuppressed. So another reason to vaccinate as many people as possible. Do you think it's part of a challenge for the medical community or is it a bigger challenge that someone else kind of needs to handle the way that so many of these elements end up becoming tribal signals. Cause like for a while, when I heard, tri- mm. uh, when I heard herd immunity, it seemed to me that either it was being like pushed by the right as something to completely get rid of all, all types of, uh, you know, mitigations with COVID. But then also I heard a lot of people on the left impulsively turn like view herd immunity as like this person wants to murder people and it's like haven't we used that expression for a long time and then obviously masks become the same thing where like rather than focusing on the information you get 
uh, on both. And I live in Brooklyn. So, you know, I when I'm outside of here, certainly I see videos and stuff of people refusing to wear masks at Walmart. But then I also have friends that are like videotaping somebody by themselves at the park as like a COVID idiot because they're not wearing a mask outside within like nobody within their vicinity. Is it a challenge for the scientific community to try to be like the let's focus on the information and not these things turning into weird tribal signals? Or is is this just a challenge that needs you're sort of in politics and science. So you, you have your foot <laughs> in both worlds. Yeah. You know, Boris, like this, how bizarre, honestly, when like facts became you know, political, this is where it's so frustrating because it's it's just science is very factual and black and white. And so. Um, I think the reason why herd immunity became a political football was because the right was pushing to get us to herd immunity naturally and to do it very quickly, which means your mortality rate skyrockets. And natural immunity, as we know with this virus, is nowhere close to as good as immunity from a vaccine. So our, our death toll would have been in the millions had we not you know, been smart about shutting down and wearing masks of, you know, and especially in you know New York and other really high density population centers where you know you have a lot of public transportation. I think that those you can look at the heat map of infections in New York along the subway lines. It's pretty scary, and no surprise. I mean, right? I mean, you're we all know when you're on a subway that air is pretty stale, and you know people just didn't know this nasty virus was circulating. You know, so I I think that um, unfortunately this became politicized. Which if you go back to like the Great Influenza, you know the 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 1918 influenza pandemic. I mean, very similar things happened. You had, we were in the middle of World War I. You had cities that were saying, oh, we gotta have morale high for fighting this war. Soldiers are coming home, everybody come out. We're gonna have a big parade. Well, then like, several weeks like later, you have the bodies Pelosi. lining the tree. Well, you've got bodies lining the street. You have other cities saying, don't, nope, pandemic, stay home, wear masks. Yeah. And guess what? They, right. So that's the problem. I mean, you, you know, it's, it was terrible. It was that, that was the part to me that was so frustrating and just stupid. I mean, no one wants a virus. No one wants it, whether it's bad for your own personal politics or, you know, your re-election chances, of course, no one wants a pandemic, but the way you handle it is you actually deal with the pandemic threat, not ignore it. So it, um, uh, it's very kind of crushing, right. To see all those hundreds of thousands of people that died and, I was screaming from the rooftops for a very long time trying to let me ask you a, trying a, to stop it. a practical question because I really wonder about this. Knowing the the, the numbers in, in Europe, Germany is the exception, but country after country in, in Europe is worse or equal with us. Um, and knowing just the American people and, and our, you know, how, what's here, the states that locked down had very little cooperation. Uh, some of the states that locked down had worse, have worse uh, rates than the states that didn't lock down. What really... If we'd had the best president we could have had, how few deaths do you think we could have had? Yeah, I think that um, actually just the mask wearing, and no, that's a, it's an awesome question. Uh, just mask wearing, you're talking you know, 60% reduction in deaths pretty easily. Um, no, but if they would that, wear them. So like in New York, I mean, first of all, I was very early yeah. in masks and we did shows. I mean, when, when doctors were telling me the masks didn't work, I was like, I, I was doing my own research to say, well, that's crazy. That's but there's another thing about masks I want to tell you too. But um, then I drive around New York in the in, in the midst of the full mask mandate. Nobody's wearing masks. You know, they, they, New York Times did a study by neighborhood by neighborhood. They went to certain neighborhoods, 45% mask wearing. The, the Asian neighborhoods were like 99% mask wearing, right? 
Yeah. But, uh, COVID. They, culturally, they, they get masks. They do, yeah. But the rest of them, good sick. president or bad president, it seems like it's like the American people will just suck. <laughs> we you know suck what, though, at that. Also, but also there was no leadership, right? I mean, you're right. I mean, but there, when there's no federal leadership of saying, yeah, hey, you got to do this. And, and, and have you can get cool people out there doing ads. You can have, you know, you, you, there's a way you can there do this. The federal government's pretty, pretty damn good leadership. at it of like, right? And, and, and setting the example. I mean, if Trump had put up a bunch of like, you know, Trump, Trump is, you know, the king or whatever mask, he would have made money off of it. Okay, so let me ask you he, this. Right, so <laughs> it, it was all about lack of leadership. So let me ask I mean, you this. Really. I, I, I don't actually buy that because I don't think Trump saying the right things would have had that big effect on I people. think I if Trump said to wear masks, half of America would have refused. Hold on, I, I, think, I don't <laughs> think we're quite, I, I don't think that, that we are quite, uh, <laughs> we were so, the, the camel's back was so full that if we only Trump has said the right thing, all of a sudden we go from 45% no, back. I don't think Trump, yeah. I think, wait, I think allowing the scientists though wait, to speak so that everyone could, could now, know to wear now I want to complain earlier. about. Now I want to complain about um, Biden for a second. And I, and I agree okay. with you about Trump. There's many $1.9 trillion, right? Do you think in that $1.9 trillion, they could provide or at least educate people to stop wearing burlap and paper and, and ha handkerchiefs right now when N95 yes. masks are widely available. I know doctors, well, not doctors, lawyers, accountants, professional people. I'm like, why are you wearing that mask that does nothing? Yeah. Why, why are you not wearing an N95 mask? What, with $1.9 trillion, they couldn't provide an N95 mask for every or, or three to every American because the stats are, I mean, the medical well, workers you're right. No, masks. no, I'm, you're, you're right. So, 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 what, I know so where's that, the competence? Where is the competence? So they're, they're actually it, sending it out, I know curious. they're sending out, they're sending out um, tens of millions of masks to Americans. That's actually happening, especially for uh, Americans in lower income areas and places where they can't get masks. So they, that actually is happening. I'm yeah. with you. I mean, but I think there needs to be know. more. Biden doesn't PSAs. even wear an N95 mask, or at least doesn't appear. Maybe he double masks. He actually double masks. Or, or, he double or, masks, or, and 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 that's what that's actually a message they need to get out there. He double masks, so he wears I mean, a surgical if, mask if, and cloth mask. I consider myself pretty confident. If I had taken over on January 20th, on January 21st, I would have given an ex executive order to ship the masks yeah. out, and also I would have had yep. I would have had commercials everywhere. We didn't have these masks. Wear an N95 mask. Did you know that actually the medical workers wearing N95 masks were getting COVID less than people at home? They were going to work surrounded by COVID. The PPE really works. And yet we don't have a leader still to tell our American people, by the way, wear an N95 mask, not a, not well, a or, or, or double mask or double mask. N95s are more complicated. Or, or double mask. you probably know, they thing. have to be fitted. Right. Right. So N95s have to be fitted. And actually, you know, if you don't wear them properly, you can get infections. I know several people properly. have. In Israel, when they have gas, well, I, I in get Israel, when they have gas attacks, they teach their population to put gas masks on, gas yep. masks on properly. We had time to teach people how to wear an N95 mask in this country. We, we could do that. And, and we can also teach them to double mask. That might be more comfortable. Whatever, right, well. but we're doing so, neither. Right. I look, I, I, they are shipping out masks now. I wish it were faster. I have so a question. Least, so, so where is the competence? Here we are. We have, a new, we have a new a new sheriff in town, and still, what's changed? What, is it, I mean, no, oh, lot, I think they are just changed. you know not oh, as fast as you'd like. Go ahead, Boris. Yeah, are you familiar by any chance with Michael Mina? Michael Mina, I know his name, he's, but he's what? a immunologist and epidemiologist. I yes. heard him do a podcast. I'm sorry, but that's just the source of too much of my information. 
I heard him do a podcast basically comparing the value of and this was, I think, maybe when the vaccines were maybe not even out yet, but the value of widespread vaccines versus the value of widespread and cheap, if not free at home tests. And basically the idea of even just the stigma at this point of having such a politically divided society where vaccines, I mean, I know people that think that this vaccine is like poison, basically. They think it's like Chinese kind, you know, like crazy stuff. And it sort of feels like a really hard challenge to try to like fix people's issues with trying to consume the right information and filter information. And his argument was essentially that like, if we had that, there's multiple companies making these really cheap, like multiple. I know nothing technologically about this, but like very cheap at home tests that like I, I'm sure the efficacy is different from PCR tests. But like the idea that you don't need to give up any personal information, you don't need to give up any like, you know, there's people that I think for good reason might be nervous about something like a vaccine passport when we're worried about the future of our medical data and you know, companies using that later on for insurance or whatever it is. It seems like such a low barrier to ship everybody, not not even vaccinate the country, but literally take a test every single day. Here it is. It's free. Stay home if you test positive. That seems like also like a really effective, but also really not politically frightening solution. Well, I think um, it, it would be another another thing helpful to do. The challenge with that is several. First of all, shipping something every single day and getting it shipped back, that's expensive and cumbersome. Oh, not shipping it, back. It, They're at home. Like the ones- I know, I, I got gotcha. you. But they, oh, right. Okay. But they, they got to check every day. I mean, you got to ship them enough tests. Um, also, again, you know, you have people that are going to be asymptomatic. There are many people, we know that this virus can be spread before you test positive. So it's something that would be additive and helpful. I certainly think we need more and more testing centers as well that are readily available and free free, free, free um, around the country, walk-in centers, drive-through centers, you name it. I'm certainly a big advocate and fan of more testing and vaccination. And I, I think on the vaccination front, what you'll see, and already we're seeing this, right, is that it's the numbers are like, I think two thirds of Americans over the age of 75 have now gotten at least one dose of vaccine and counting. People want the vaccine and the more that people get vaccinated and people saying, wow, it's safe. And let's face it, it's going to become mandatory to be in the military, for example. Once it's approved, fully approved by the FDA, very likely that the, all branches of the military say, if you're in the military, want to be in the military, you got to get vaccinated. You think public Same schools with, as well? I absolutely do. And I think for a travel, it may well be even to get on an airplane, you've got to be vaccinated. So I, I think that what you'll find is that Maybe it won't be like, yes, you have to do this. Okay. But if you want to participate in group events with other members of society in public places, you got to get vaccinated unless you have a medical reason not to be vaccinated. I think that's, you know, very likely where we're heading. And I hope so, because, you know, we need everyone who can get vaccinated to be vaccinated. And this misinformation, disinformation from the anti-vaxxers is deadly. It's deadly and it's got to stop. Now, and you if think, you know, you can, I think we can encourage people hopefully positively for the most part, though. Do you think that'll be like a net, like for flying, let's say, do you think that'll be national or it'll be like every airline makes it a policy and then there'll be one airline that's like the anti vax airline that everybody can fly on? Well, think about the insurance. Other. You know, usually like we're a litigious society. So, right. I mean, our insurance company is going to insure airlines. 
that don't require this. Because guess what? If somebody gets on the plane and then they get COVID, who are they going to sue? Right. right? The deep Definitely. pockets, the airlines and say, what the hell? Why didn't you screen all the passengers? There's tests out there. Why'd you let these people on the plane? Why did you let people that didn't, you know, maybe you have to have a negative test or be vaccinated, but I, I would not be surprised. $50 yeah, pay a premium. more if, if you COVID haven't been premium. vaccinated. <laughs> you got the COVID seating. You got your own air. <laughs> well, your own they can wear the ga- let them wear the mask they can wear the gas mask and we'll be mask free right, <laughs> right. <laughs> do we know how the whole thing started yet or not not really you know i mean it, it's really thought to be a natural jump um in china um i think that um the theories that this was specifically man-made or human-made and manufactured are very 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 unlikely yeah. um there is though the China's version of our, what we call US AMRIT, which is our, um, you know, nasty laboratory, the BSL-4, the people in the spacesuits. I've actually been inside these laboratories. Um, this is where we do, you know, conduct research on the most dangerous viruses in the world, including uh, Ebola and Marburg and stuff that's just like probably even scarier than that, which is frightening to even think about. Um, so their version of that, their lab is in Wuhan, China. So yeah. the fact that this virus sprung from there you know, is it possible? And I'm saying, I don't, I'm not saying this is what happened. Is it possible that there was an animal that had been experimented on and then somebody who's a worker at that lab took it to the market to be sold? Yes, that is a possibility. I'm not saying it happened. Yeah. I'm just saying, is that within the realm of things that could have happened? Yes. So, but do I think that this virus was like, somebody in the lab was like, I'm going to kill the world and we're going to make this virus and then we're going to unleash it? No. No, I don't think anyone thinks that. And I are certainly very few people think that. I do think that um, we should be asking some serious questions, though, about what in the hell is going on in China, what happened with this thing, because they didn't tell anybody, including their own people. Their death toll was way higher. And, you know, they did a lot wrong that put all of us at risk. You know, That's I mean, refreshing. That's refreshing to hear you <laughs> say. Well, it's refreshing to hear you say that it's a possibility because it felt really quickly to me like when I had no idea, it felt like there was a really unanimous push to stigmatize even asking that question. And a lot of people that to me, I, I saw as, you know, legitimate sources of information, very definitively telling me there's no way it came from this lab that happened. And I'm like, I don't really know, but like, it doesn't seem that crazy. Why are they making it sound like anyone who's asking the question is crazy? I don't. Yeah, I don't know that they cooked it up I, I, at all. I, I just think that it's possible that there could have been a it. version of the virus and it was in an animal, got to the market, the, that virus adapted because it was in the market. And they were you studying know, I, gain of function testing, though, that would enable some jump. Like they that. were, which I have some real issues about the U.S. researchers that were collaborating on this. And there are specific laws in this country. We, we signed a, a treaty, uh, bio, basically a bioterrorism treaty. It was actually signed by Nixon, believe it or not, or not signed in the Nixon era, believe it or not. And... Um, in, in the late sixties. And, you know, we're not allowed to do, we're only allowed to do research for defensive purposes only. So uh, having been involved in designing these experiments with the, you know, the folks that work for the military in these labs, you know, you have to basically go through a whole checklist of like why you're designing the experiment, the fact that it meets certain requirements because you're not allowed to do offensive research. So that, you know, that was very worrisome to me because these coronaviruses, they're really nasty. They're very different from other viruses, we know that our immune system just doesn't work as well against them. Um, that to me was my, why I was holding my breath with these vaccines, quite honestly, because these coronaviruses are kind of tricky, but so, I mean, 
look, it's really awesome how well the vaccines are working. Can I ask you a question? I'm going to show one more thing. Um, how do you account for this? And I mean, this, this is, listen, I'm, just, I'm not, I mean, I, I was pro. Is lockdown. this per, per capita? This is per capita. I can show you, I can show you my settings. Here. Yeah. Deaths per 100,000 since March of 2020. I, this is a country I chose. Now here's Sweden, right? That didn't lock down at all. And they're a little bit worse than the European Union, almost identical to Germany is better. France is higher, United States is higher, England is higher. I mean, isn't it frustrating? I mean, how, how do you well, account Sweden, for that? Sweden, well, Sweden's a very different country than ours. You have a lot, a lot more people that live alone and they don't live in, you know, clustered in large uh, places together. A lot of people have jobs where they can work from home and a lot of people did. Um, so I think there's sort of the culture there is different. So it's very difficult to compare. The, the fair comparison is to compare Sweden to its neighbors. And Sweden had a much, much, much higher death rate than, for example, Norway. So genetically, the folks are very similar. Culturally, they're very similar. No, uh, I've, read, I've, I've read articles that said that there's differences between Sweden and Norway to explain it. I mean, they what they what seems to me what they always do is they find some statistic and then people work backwards well, and I think they figure the, out some reason. It's the fairest comparison, having also been to both of those countries as well, personally. I mean, I think that's a it's the fairest comparison. I think it's pretty valid. Certainly fairer than trying to compare, for example, Sweden to the UK, where people were gathering in pubs, and that's where a lot of viral spread happened in cities when they reopened. So I, you know, that's just not. That's Sorry, gather, nevertheless, in a, a country in or UK. In the UK, in the UK, I mean, culturally, again, I mean, culturally, Swedes, again, more people. There's more people that are living kind of alone or in small houses, you know, small group housing, or you know, small numbers of people in the housing compared to our country, for example. Right. You know, where we have, especially in urban centers, a lot of people crammed closely together. Well, that doesn't really happen in Sweden. It's just a culturally different place. And so, even though they say you, you know. Thou shalt not. We're not going to have any mask mandates. People were people were masked. People avoided no, uh, gathering. The they're just sort of like you know they no, made some gentle recommendations and people they're followed here. Like you said, we're just not a country that wears masks. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, I find it frustrating, and I wish it didn't turn out that way to see that Sweden that didn't lock down at all outperforms countries like France and you know that are, that are comparable countries. Um, but then we we was the culture in Sweden and this and that. But then when America does badly. Um, we, we never discuss our own culture. That's, this is what I'm getting at. It's like the, the, the we, we don't control for it. It's like, well, if culture is a key factor, well, then how does the American culture affect our, our stats? Is that, that, no, that's just Trump. No, the American culture has nothing to do with us. But obviously if, if culture affects Sweden, then, then obviously there, there is something about the American culture, which is very frustrating in my opinion, as to what's been going on. And we've seen it in California. We, we see it all over, yeah. you know? And I, and I think that, and I, I know, believe me, if you listen to this podcast, you would know I was not defending Trump. But I do. But at the same time, I feel like they, they people pretend like he was this one vessel. And if he had just said X, Y, Z differently, that somehow America was going to be transformed into Japan and we were going to have. You know, and I was like, well, it, the absence of Trump no, I, I, it hasn't no, done well I, for I, the rest of Europe. I don't I don't believe that. I don't think it's there's one magical silver bullet, if you will. I think it's, well, you, uh, you said you said. He let five hundred thousand people die. I'm like, well, did he? Maybe, maybe he let a hundred. You know what? But he die. didn't. He really did very little to stop yeah. it. And he lied. He held death rallies. He did. He, but that doesn't mean he, that right. He, but you know what? He's mm-mm. he. Look, I'm, I, I really beg to differ. And you know, this is where my husband served in Congress for six years. Is that there is a responsibility you have when you're president of the United States? And that happened on his watch. 
and he really did very little about it. Yes, I agree with it. you, but there's so still, there's I, still that's, as, that's on him. Right, that's but as, him. as scientific people, we still have the responsibility to make our best guess at the counterfactual. If he had done everything correctly, what, there would have been hundreds of thousands yeah. less. And, and then so that so if there would have been hundreds of thousands of lives saved, then what yes. would they do? Then what the hell were they doing in England and France and all through Europe where they didn't manage to save the hundred thousand? Well, remember lives? Boris uh, Yeltsin. Boris, sorry, Boris Johnson was <laughs> Boris Johnson was pushing a herd immunity strategy, yeah. right? And then guess what? He got the virus. Yeah. And he nearly died. Okay. He he was in the ICU. Right. Yeah, so I think that changed his opinion, right? So, th so they're they're, but they have France? similar cultural problems that France? we have. I mean, right? France is interesting, um, culturally very diverse country as well. So, um, and a lot of anti-vaxxers there, which is very curious. Um, so, I, you know, as far as specifically what happened in France, I know that their hospitals got really overwhelmed. And again, that also depends on number of ICU beds. For example, the UK has the lowest, much lower number of ICU beds per capita than we do here in the United States. Similar in France, they're not as bad as the UK, but they're a little bit better. So again, remember that when you start rationing healthcare like they did in Italy, Spain, France, UK, that means if you need a ventilator, you don't get it, what happens? You die. Same thing just happened in Los Angeles recently, which is just horrific, right? They were basically saying, you know, EMS, if somebody looks really sick and they don't, you don't think they're going to make it, don't give them oxygen and don't bring them to the hospital because so, we don't have room. We don't have oxygen. Yeah. We, we are at an hour now. If you, if you want to uh, final, just to close out, if you want to send a message to people right now, about the right thing to do in the coming period before, you know, uh, besides well, comedy, what else? Well, first of all, thanks guys for having me on. I Thank like, you. I like the healthy no, debate. I thought I was kind of all geared up like, Hey, it's comedy. So we're going to be laughing and stuff. And nothing, nothing funny about this. <laughs> there's not we're there's also not, hey, sick look, we're all sick no because we, we're oh, really yeah. sick i think that's that's kind of affected that not me well, i, I, I feel healthy as an ox <laughs> yeah see boris and i rock on i feel healthy too but uh th thanks for having me on and i would love to come back on sometime and hopefully we can we'll laugh to, a little yeah. bit more i want to i um, want to originally just because i'm really dying but originally i also wanted to discuss don't one die. In florida yeah uh but we'll, we'll we'll love to have you again yeah soon for sure yeah well thank you guys and Is just florida everybody get no 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 no. And how's no. Florida? How's Florida doing compared to the states of lockdown? Yeah, actually, pretty pretty well. We're, I think our warm. It's interesting. I think Florida is an interesting conundrum, Noam. And uh, you know, I I think I I don't. I was I've spoken with uh, multiple experts about this, and we're we're sort of scratching our heads a bit. I think the lack of urban centers. We don't really have urban centers. We just have sprawling suburbia in our cities. We also have really nice weather, with the exception of a couple months in summer. So flu season, coronavirus season for us. I mean, it's beautiful today. It's 68 degrees. It's sunny. Um, it's actually pretty windy. So I don't have the windows open, but I, otherwise I have the windows open. So um, I think a lot of that has, has really helped our state because I was really worried initially because we've got all these older folks, you know, senior citizens. I thought, oh my God. Yeah. But the, the, you know, the uh, nursing homes and senior centers got a lot of PPE early on, thankfully. But it, you know, luckily we have fared better than you know, really, I was, I really thought it was going to be worse. I'm glad I was wrong on that one for sure. I have this terrible sinking feeling that this virus was uh, just going to get the better of us over the course of a year. And we, we like, we'd have moments where we kind of were, were vigilant, but then we get sloppy. And Amer as I said, American culture 
you know, like we have a lot of urban centers. We have people who are not disabled. We have people, we have all, we have all the, we have all the things that, that are, that would, that are bad. And I just really wonder if there was anything that we could have done to significantly alter this course we were on. That's not to say that, I mean, when Trump said like free Michigan, I mean, there's, there's, there's no, no excuse for any of that, but that's, I still have this sinking feeling that these states like New York, California, where they had good, le- I mean, good leadership in the sense of saying the right things. Um, they, they couldn't get the population to, in, to heal. They just didn't. They just didn't. You know, Noam, I, I think about California and, um, and New York, and I, I think they also had it harder in the sense that, you know, these are gateway, huge gateway cities, yeah. right? Our most urban areas are, are New York, obviously, by far. Compare that, for example, to Chicago. I think that's a better comparison, right? Very urban center, high density population, but you don't have the density of international travelers going in and out of Chicago compared to New York. And when you're first, we saw this happen in China. They ignored it, right? And then they had a lot of people die in Wuhan because they did. They ignored it. Then in Italy, then in Spain. And that's why I kept screaming here. I'm like, guys, we've seen this movie before in China. We saw it. We're seeing it in Italy right now. We're seeing it in Spain. Like, let's not be them. And that's what happened because no one, you know, we didn't have any tests available. That's another fail, unfortunately, by the prior guy, if you will, um, in his administration, his team. Um, So we didn't have testing. We were flying blind. And so the only thing we could do was really blunt, which was lock everything down, which sucked because that's not because then it really angers people and say, my God, we had no cases here. You locked down. Totally fair. But what else can you do when you have no testing? So once we had testing, I think things changed. But I think for those states that were first, it was hell because no one really knew. And we had no federal leadership from the CDC like saying, hey, guys, here's what to do. And those states that you're referring to are responsible for a tremendous number of the the deaths on a national basis. Yeah, Now, the the test is interesting because um, do you blame him for uh, the mistake that the CDC made in those faulty tests? I blame his administration. Uh, You know, this is where if you have competent coronavirus task force, remember who was leading that was being led by economic advisor and Mike Pence, who's a, you know, was, uh, is an epidemic denier. He was denying the HIV epidemic in his own state when he was governor. The mistake was a scientific test. Right, exactly. And my, but hang on, my point is, is that these should be, this should have been a collaborative effort because the the top person at FDA on testing tried to work with CDC and help them and was basically blocked at the door. You know, there wasn't this cross agency collaboration, which is what you do in a crisis like this. You get everybody working together. That's called leadership. That's wasn't what was happening. This was mostly focused on PR spin and management rather than we got to mobilize the troops. Okay. We need testing. We need testing centers built. Where was FEMA? Like, why wasn't FEMA involved in building testing centers, field hospitals? I mean, it was just, uh, this is where it's not. That I agree with you. The testing centers, I agree with you. But the actual fact that the tests were faulty, I think that's The testing faulty is, uh, well, it was because also that was shunning the WHO. The WHO actually had a very good functioning test. And we, and because of, nope, we're no longer part of the WHO. We're not going to use their oh, stupid not, test. That, that, have our it own. was American policy to have our own test, but whatever. I, I, I mean, I think that, um, I think the, 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 the second thing you said, I strongly agree with you that this, this lack of effort to, to put in a, a national infrastructure to give these tests once we did have them, which, which, which ramped up pretty quickly. I think yeah. that, I, that I would put directly at the president's feet. The actual mistake in the test, it, it, it kind of reminds me of blaming Reagan for the challenger disaster. Like, at some point, I don't, the I don't blame him for the scientific yeah. failure, but there should have been. You don't put all your eggs in one basket, yeah. right? You, it's so desperate. That's why you need 
executive leadership to say, okay, we're going to work with the private sector on some tests, CDC on your tests, FDA, you're going to work with all these people. To, and, and so the FDA would get under the, you know, they pop the hood early on this stuff. Again, I've mm-hmm. worked with them in, in these crises. And that's where the federal leadership has to come in and say, guys, guys and gals, you got, you know, all of you have to work together and get this, get this done. This is a priority. But yeah, instead you had federal leadership saying, yeah. well, we have too many, you know, don't do tests. We don't need it. It's going to just going to go away like a miracle. And then when it had tests, right, we have too many tests. I'm just like crazy. It's like, okay, I guess I can't get pregnant if I don't take a pregnancy shit show. test. It was a shit yeah. show. It was. Yeah. Well, I ask- well, that was awesome. And I'm- <laughs> somebody and else I- wants to ask oh, me a question. I have, I have so <laughs> many more questions. I had, Man, I this was so fun, ma- guys. Uh, it was uh, it really, uh, it's really great to have you. I would love to have you again. I'm really sorry because I'm like not feeling well at all. Uh, but uh, but it was really great to have you, and we'll we'll have you again soon, and it will be more fun. Uh, I, let's see, yeah, let's do something fun. I was fun, guys. I really really appreciate it, and I enjoyed it very much. I hope you guys are all feeling better. And yes, um, thank you, seriously, you thanks for the invite. It was super thank fun. Thank you, thank you very much. You want to? Yeah, let me know when it when it airs. I'll blast it out to my oh, great. my my the the Twitterati's out there. And uh, oh, what's um, with this guy, Alex Berenson? What is he? A, is he a total nutcase? Uh, <laughs> I had him on my what other you, podcast. What do you like, think? I think I think he's a charlatan. I, I don't I don't get it. I'm really upset. That? Right. That, that New York Times former New York Times reporter who's been, who's been denying COVID all along. I had him on my show and I we we're talking about masks and I and I gave him data instead of whatever and he pretends like it's and then he goes back and say masks don't work. I mean, what what is with you, dude? Oh my god, yeah, the masks are the overwhelming evidence. I mean, look at the cruise ships. You know the the the, the crew that all wore masks, no one got hospitalized, no one died. Not a single one on the cruise ships. Oh, I did hear an interview with him. Okay, hot time, hot time six, we gotta go. All right, Bye. Thanks so much, all right, be For followers, would you like to share your Twitter? Sure, it's at Dr. Dina Grayson, so D-R-D-E-N-A Grayson. So come join the come join the party over on Twitter, guys. Yes, thank you. And Boris? At the Boris K. Join thank that you guys party very much. as well. Dr. Grace, thank you. <laughs> the show will be so much fun. Have a good one. Yeah. Thank awesome. You. Nice to meet you. Bye, Dina. Nice to meet you. Okay, bye. Bye, guys. Bye.